remain standing. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew. <clears throat> Thankful to have you with us tonight. Matthew chapter number 13. Listen, help me with kids, please. Thank you. Oh, by the way, check your cell phones. Would you turn them off just in case? Okay. Uh, they'll go off at the most inopportune time. I'd rather that did not happen. Matthew chapter number 13. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 19. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 19. I'll read out loud. You can read along with me silently. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understand it not, Matthew 13, yeah, verse 19, okay. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catch away that which was sown in his heart. Go to Matthew chapter 13, verse number 49. <clears throat> verse number 49 and 50. So it shall be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Father, thank you for the Bible. I ask you to please help us to do that which needs to be done. Bless your word tonight. Thank you for all that was about ready to take place. May it bring you glory. May we all make right decisions that would concern our relationship with you, our influence in this world. Thank you for this time. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Since I made up my mind, I've made up my mind, no matter what others say, I will follow Christ and walk in His way. Though the battle gets hard and the road gets steep, that's okay. I've set my Choice. Would a rod or take a stand against it? 
chapter 6 please Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter number 6 <clears throat> throughout God's word God uses certain phrases and terms and illustrations uh, to describe those who are not saved or those uh, whose actions would dictate that they're not saved for example blind dead unsaved blasphemers, unholy, ungodly. Listen to me now. Help me with the kids. Listen. Some of these terms, though, God also applies to his children, and some of those terms that he would use for that would be unholy, robber, hypocrite, liar, rebellious, and so forth. However, there is a term. There are others, but there is a term used for the devil and his children in which God's children should never, never have the term applied to them. That term is wicked. That term should never be applied to God's children. Never. Whenever it's found in the New Testament, it, either, it is either a reference or in reference to the lost and to the devil. I'm going to give you a long list of scriptures. This is not exhaustive. For example... 
Bible says in Matthew 12, 45, other spirits more wicked than himself. Talking about demons. Matthew 13, 38, which we read, are children of the wicked one. Talking about the devil. Matthew 16, 4, the Bible says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh for a sign. Talking about sinners. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, all the fiery darts of the wicked, talking about the devil and or the unsaved. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, the enemies in your mind by wicked works, he's referring to what goes on with sinners. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed, talking specifically about the devil. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 7, the filthy conversation of the wicked, talking about the unsaved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 17, led away by the error of the wicked, talking about the unsaved. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, ye have overcome the wicked one, speaking of the devil once again. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, as Cain, who was of the wicked one, talking about the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, spiritual wickedness in high places, a reference to unsaved in high exalted positions of this world. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 19, the whole world lieth in wickedness, again, a reference to the unsaved. On and on and on, over 30 times just in the New Testament, the Bible uses the word wicked or wickedness and every time, every time it applies to either the devil or the unsaved except three times. Three times God himself references that word about his own children. What we don't understand is this, the devil, God uses the term meant to describe the devil as I just showed you in many other places and those who are serving him with the word wicked or wickedness to our to our to get our heavenly father to use such a term that is used for the devil himself and to the wicked and to the sinner that follow him that kind of a term and apply it to us it must be something pretty awful you would think if god used a term that overwhelmingly fits the devil and his people and those that follow him all of a sudden, he's going to use it, and only three times to his kids. Must be something pretty bad. Three times the Bible talks about that. I, for one, would never want God to apply this term to me. Only because, if for no other reason, how bad and who it applies to, I don't want it applied to me. You understand what I'm saying? And so I want to talk to you tonight about this. When did God apply the term wicked to his children? When did God apply the term wicked to his children? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we find a very unusual story. It's not a story, it's a real happening. I want you to look at verse number 1, 5, 9, and 13. 1, 5, 9, and 13, and I'll try to describe to you the story that's going on here. Remember, we're talking about when did God apply the term wicked to his children. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so 
much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now, don't just key in on that. He's talking about a certain incident that's taking place. But watch what he says later on. Look at verse number 5, that same chapter. To deliver such an one, talking about this fornicator, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What he's simply talking about is here, as long as Christians keep holding up and pacifying and babying and letting somebody know it's not that bad, it's okay, he'll just keep right on doing what he's doing. So the Bible, the Bible clearly says, here's what you need to do. You need to let him go out and his flesh burn up as quickly as possible in hopes that there will still be some spiritual about him that could still be salvaged or saved. You understand? So he's talking about this guy. For some reason, he's been with in fornication with his father's wife. I don't know if that's his mom. I don't know if it's his stepmom. The Bible doesn't say, so don't add to the scripture. That's all it says. Now, I want you to go to verse number 9, same chapter. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Drop down to verse number 13. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. He's talking about fornicators. You have to understand here in these verses... In verse number 9, I wrote unto you not in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. Look at verse 10. Yet not altogether. It doesn't mean some are not as bad as others. What he's saying is not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must your needs go out of the world. To get away from everybody that's in fornication, coveting, doing these kinds of things, you'd have to get off this planet. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that which is in your means to control, talking about the local church. Now, we don't think much about this anymore, but you need to listen to me tonight. Living in fornication is one of those times when God uses wicked towards his own people. Now, I know today we don't think much of this, but God still does. Fornication among God's people is running rampant today, among God's people. Now, you could say that in the world, and that's the devil's kids, what are you supposed to do? But here he is applying this to a local church that they were only also getting the big head. Yeah, we got a guy in our church sleeping with his own mom. Paul said, you're doing what? You haven't cast him out yet? You haven't dealt with this problem yet? And so Paul gets a little, little testy, if you would, about this. The pastor, and should a pastor preach against this today, you'd be shocked at the looks that I get when I hit on certain sins, like queer, homosexual, living in sin between two people not married. That's called sin. Actually, it's called fornication and adultery. All right? So when you hear a preacher, you actually see people look at the preacher like, why would he say that? Like, I'm not supposed to preach against sins. But we find out today there's a reason for that because more and more homosexuals are becoming a part of God's crowd. I'm sorry, church crowds, not God's crowd. More and more people living in adultery and writing it off for whatever reason that it's okay, it's not that big a deal. Everybody does. God hasn't changed his mind about it at all. So when I do this, members gasp and they look at me like, why am I so hard-hearted to hurt people's feelings that way? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1, such fornication as is not named among the Gentiles. Gentiles here meaning unsaved. 
This church was allowing a certain type of fornication inside the church among God's members that the world hadn't even thought about doing yet. And he said that should never take place. Teenagers and young adults who profess Christ as Savior having multiple partners. Young adults acting like who cares and making up their own laws and rules for what is a right relationship. And it just doesn't matter. Well, basically, we've been together for a while. It's like being married. No, it's not like being married. It's like living in sin. Well, we everything except the piece of paper, you're living in sin. You're supposed to obey the laws of the land and the laws of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 13. Look at that second part there. Therefore, put away from, from among yourselves that, what's the word? Wicked person. God's children acting like unholy, ungodly, lost children, which still belong to the devil. That just doesn't make sense at all. He said, even people out in the world don't do this. What are you folks doing here? Our Heavenly Father applies a term never meant for us. And the word is wicked. Adultery and fornication runs rampant among God's people. Among the married and the unmarried. For God's children to be caught up in sexual sins, to give in and give up to the lust of their own flesh, like those who do not know God, God says is wicked. God said that's wicked. Now we've got to get back to where sin becomes exceeding sinful or we're going to start writing it off as it's not that bad. I'm not trying to be exclusive. I'm trying to be biblical. The scandals, the gossip, the examples set forth, churches and, 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 and these people, their reputation, uh, uh, drug before an ungodly world, caught and exposed, sex outside of marriage, internet chat rooms, pornography, flirting, sexual behavior on their job, incest, molestation, and all types of sins in Christian homes. In Christian homes. I'm not talking about the world. Though this word is applied to the world and the devil, except three times. And these three times, one of them happens to be this. We just decide as if we have no heavenly, holy father at all. He is still the heavenly, holy father. He's not just the old father up there, the guy, the big guy upstairs. Don't ever blaspheme like that. Don't do that. He's a holy father. And we are supposed to represent him in the way that we live and the way we believe. As if we have never received a new nature at all. Christian, we've got to stop living the way we think is okay and start living the way the Bible said God wants his children to live. Only three times does he apply the word wicked and this happens to be one of them and it has to do with fornication. Fornication is any type of sex outside the bounds of marriage. Which would include homosexuality. Homosexuality, look at me and listen to me, is not right. It's a sin, it's filthy, it's an abomination in the sight of God. God never preferred it, God never sanctioned it, God didn't make a mistake and you have more genes than you were meant to have, more chromosomes than the next guy. That's not true. That, that is a science lie. In order for you to believe that, you have to say God made a mistake. Now, where, 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 this, where this rubs the road is we all have a queer in our family. Or a close friend, and they're really nice people. I never said they weren't nice people. I said they're sinful people. Amen. This is where you bow your head and take a deep breath and kind of stare. Now, I'll, I'll just say, I did not write the Bible. 
And it's more than just Sodom and Gomorrah. That talks about sodomy. More than just that. Just that most preachers and most people don't know that. When did God apply the term wicked to his children? Number one, when living in fornication. Number two, go to Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. Look at verse number 14. Matthew 25. It's only three times. All other times, all other times, it is about sinners or something they're doing or about the devil. Three times, that one word that only applies to the devil and, and the worldly lost people, sinners of the world, three times God applies it to us. It must be pretty bad. Now, I just mentioned fornication, or God does, and I don't get the big deal. Right? We know nice people who live together. We know people who, for financial reasons, have to live together. Okay, let me get this right. For financial reasons, you have to go against the Word of God. Something's wrong. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse number 14. The Bible said here, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Every man, watch very carefully, according to his several ability. What you are able to handle, God gave you. Your ability. Ready? It's not something you can't do. Something you can't handle. Something you can't perform. God gave it to you. That's why he gave one three. Uh, one five, one three, one one. Likewise, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 16. He that had received five talents went and traded the same and made five other talents. And likewise, he that received two had gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's, what? What's that, what's that word? What's that word you're all in favor for except when the church needs it? Money, thank you very much. 19. For a long time, after a long time, his Lord of those servants cometh and reckon. Okay, it's time to, time to find out what's been going on. I gave you some of my money before I left, and now I come back to find out the dividends and the increase of what I gave you. I want to find that out. God is very much aware that some only make this much, some make that much, some make this. God understands that. That's the reason he said some three, some two, some one. He understands that. Look at verse number 20. And so he that received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Isn't that a good response, right? Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest that you gave me two talents, if you would. Look what I've given back to you. I didn't just give you what you gave to me. I gained and given it back to you. Watch what he says. I have gained two other talents beside, verse 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It's pretty good. Understand the one who had the first amount of talents and the one that had the second did not increase the same amount, but they increased and gave to their Lord. Are you listening to me? Now, remember, when we started off, he gave everyone severally as their ability. 
God said, here, you can handle this. I'm giving you five. You can handle this. I'm giving you three. You can handle this. I'm giving you one. That wasn't a put down. God is saying, look, you can handle this. Here, here you go. Now you do, you do something. So each one of them turned back. But look at verse 24. He which had received one talent and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering. So he didn't know this. He did know this was the Lord's attitude. His master, when he came back, oh, yeah, well, you didn't do any work and you want everything from Well, yeah, it belonged to him. I knew you were hard and austere man, and I knew that you wanted to reap where you did not sow. I understand. So he knew this. It's not like it shocked him when he finally met the Lord. He knew. He said, I knew thou wert. He told him. Now watch the next verse. And the Lord answered, I'm sorry, verse 25. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. You want what is yours? It's out in the world. I took what you gave me to increase you, and I hid it out in the world. You want it? It's out there somewhere. I used it. It's out there in the world. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful. Wicked. He used the term wicked. And then on top of that, he said, Slothful, you didn't, you didn't even try to apply yourself with my stuff to increase my work. You slothful. And watch what he's saying here now. You knew, you knew. See, he said, you knew I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strong. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my, what? Money. To, quit, quit staring at me like, yeah, that's what you're... To the exchangers, you should have given at least to a bank and draw some interest on it. If for no other reason, you didn't know what to do with it, put it someplace where I could get some interest off of it. And then at least give that back to me. But no, you said, I took your stuff that you gave me to increase your business, and I hid it out in the world. You want it? It's out there somewhere. Are you following me? Watch what he says. Thou oughtest therefore, verse 27, to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. That's interest. That's interest. I gave you material stuff and money for my business. The first guy, well done. Now, what if he had increased 15? He still probably said, well done. He didn't give the Lord back what the Lord gave him. The second guy did the same thing. However, it wasn't as much as the first guy. And the Lord still said, well done. You know why? There was an increase. You took what I gave you and you increased it for me in my business. Well done. The last guy said, you want what's yours? Yeah, I used it. It's out there. He said, I touched it. I'm like, no, I didn't use it for you. Look, I, I knew what kind of a guy you were. I knew that you wanted to reap where you never sowed. You want me to do all the work? Well, I used it for myself. Listen to me. And give it to him that had ten talents. Now watch this. You won't like this. Take therefore the talent, ready, from him and give it to him that hath ten. That's the kind of economy I like. You know what God is saying? You're not even going to use one. Look what this guy did with five. This guy's going to produce something for me. Somebody take that one that he's got and give that guy that has 10. Now, here's what Americans would say. Well, that ain't fair. We're all supposed to be equal. 
Even God doesn't go by that philosophy. Well, watch what it says here very carefully. Look at verse number 29. For everyone that hath shall be given. Now, he's talking here about laboring and working and using what God gave you for him. Those who work for God and produce for God, God says, I'm giving you more because I know what you're going to do with it. Well, watch what it says. He shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And he says, cast out that unprofitable person. This servant was given money by his Lord to be put to use for the business of his Lord. For the business of his Lord. Now let's just cut to the chase. The things that you have been advantaged, the job that you have, the material things you have is not just for you. The Lord gave him that stuff. If you're a born-again Christian, everything you have, I preached on it Thursday night, God gave to you not just for you. You have to live down here, and God said, understand that, go ahead. But what about my work? I gave that to you. For, with it, I want interest back. When I come back, it's time to reckon. That's what those books of works are for. I want to know what you did for me that I gave you. God's not going to ask you, why didn't you live like Pastor Bell? Why didn't you live like, no, nobody wants to live like you. Uh, and so what you want to do is God is not going to judge you that way. God said, I gave you one. There should be some kind of increase. I gave you four. There should be some kind of increase. I gave you 20. There should be some kind of increase. God isn't saying, why aren't you like others? God is saying, I know, I gave, I know your several ability. I know what you're able to do. That's why I gave you that. And I want an increase. I want a return on what my investment is. It's not a matter of having what others have to work with. What our Lord wants is a return on his investment, a return on something, an increase in his business that he has given you. God should get something in return from each of us. Well, I, I give him my prayer. You ain't praying. Who are you kidding? It's not equal amounts from each of us, as we learn from the story. But it is, I want a return. I want an investment for what I invested in you all. Not just not lose what God has invested in you. God did not give us and prosper us to invest in his work and, and so that we can hang on to it and invest in our own life or do nothing with it at all. I, I, I don't understand people anymore. God gave you abilities for business. God gave you abilities and talents. God gave you ability to do all kinds of things. And when people all of a sudden become a big shot, you head out into the world and take everything, all the talents and the things God gave you, and you buried it in the world. All your boss has to do is snap his fingers and you're going to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day because that's your life. And God said, no, that's not true. I gave you that job. Remember remember how you told everybody? Preach, you won't believe what God did. He gave me a great job. By the way, where is that while they're out of town? God did not give you that job, that business, that ability, that money-making ability, that settlement, that inheritance, so you can just live better. I said just live better. Nothing wrong with that. That's not just what it was for. Whether you start with $1, $100, or $1,000, God wants you to work with it, increase it, invest it, so you can put more back into his work. In the it's, it, This is his world, all that's in the world. It belongs to God, all the fullness thereof. We learned that the other day on Thursday. Everything here, it's not yours. We are stewards 
And so he gave to his servants this much, this much, this much, and they knew what they were supposed to do, and two of them did. They didn't produce the same amount, but they did produce. They didn't increase the same level, but they both increased. That wasn't the problem. That was simply to show you what each of us are supposed to be doing. But then he brought up the one with one. He wasn't saying, you don't amount to anything, here's one. What he's saying is, you can handle this. You'll be okay. You can do that. Come on. Come on. Let's work together. I'm giving you something. It's coming from me. Now you take that and you work that thing and you increase that thing and give me back something. And he just decided, no, nah, I ain't going to do that because you're, you're, I'll never pull this off. And you'll be upset with me because you're always wanting to reap where, where you, you didn't sow. And he said, I knew that. Well, you already knew that? You already knew that. A Christian has no more, if a Christian has no more to show his Lord after 5, 10, or 15 years of service than when he started, you are a wicked individual. You have not given any more in tithes and offerings and labor and talent than you did when you first got started, yet God has increased you and you've increased yourself. You're a wicked servant. You are a wicked servant. It is wicked when after all that God has done for us, we would rather take what he has given us and hide it and use it out there and just bury it in the world somewhere, not use it for him whatsoever, not increase his work at all. I'll just tell you right now, it's wicked as the day is long. God gave you and said, now look, I'm coming back. We're going to reckon. We're going, we're going to settle up when the time comes back. And I want, and if I can't do what he did. I understand that. That's why I only gave you one or I gave you three and I gave you five. I'm not asking you all to be equal. I'm asking all of you to bring back an interest and increase on what I've invested in your life. Look at verse 25 and 26. Verse number 25 and verse number 26. And he was afraid and went and hid his talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. It's, I, I can't believe he's talking to his boss this way. That he's talking to his master this way. He's talking to his Lord this way. He gave him something to use and invest. And he went away. He wasn't watching. What are you doing? And smacking him every time he turned around. He said, okay, I, I'm, I have to go. You guys take care of the business for me. I'll be back. You understand what we're talking about here. The Lord is coming back. And the Bible said many shall be ashamed at his appearing. And the reason we'll be ashamed of his appearing, it's not the sin that we've gotten into because God has forgiven us of that and he chastises us along the way. It is stuff like this. God has prospered us. Look at us. We live in America. We have nice homes. Your home's not like mine. My home's not like theirs. That's not the point. God has increased all of us from the day we got saved and said, take this and invest it in my business. And when I come back, we'll settle up. How's that? So he's starting off, we're starting off with his stuff. You didn't start off with your stuff, you start off with his stuff. So what happens? One would expect this type of selfishness and wickedness from an unsaved person. I don't work for anybody. What I make is my own. You can't tell me what to, you would expect that from a lost person. But God's applying this to his own kids. What are you doing acting that way? 
lost people who don't know me, they act this way, and God doesn't want us to act that way. How wicked for a Christian to want and want and want from God and from this church the work of God, and even when God does give you, you, something to use, you improperly use it and blame God for the way that he has set things up. Well, if this wouldn't happen, if church would do this, if God wasn't that way, God gave you what you have to get started. A lot of the reason that you're not advancing, you're not investing. Oh, that's a good term. Somebody write that down. The reason you're not advancing, you're not investing. Man, I like that. It just flows. I don't know where it comes from. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Look at verse 24. He which had received the one talent came and said to his Lord, I knew thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strong, and I was afraid. Well, you ought to be. You didn't do anything he told you to do before he left. Christian, look at me. You're not getting out of this. There has come a reckoning day when God said, what I told you to do and what I gave you to do it with, you can do this. It's not like he made it impossible. There's just no way you can make it happen. If you would mind the Lord, you can do this. And we're specifically talking about material things and money. Over and over again, he says money. How wicked of you that God must take the work you should be performing and providing for him and give that responsibility and that privilege to someone else who is doing something. All of us are supposed to be involved in the body and the work of Christ. All of us should be. And when you're not, you understand God is going to take that and have to give to somebody else and say, I need you to produce even more for me over here. Can you do that for me? That's just not right. But God will do that. Look at verse number 28. 25 verse 20. Take therefore the talent from him. He didn't use it. No sense in keeping it. Take it away from him right now. Now this, 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 isn't, this isn't American politics. God said, I'm interested in somebody, when I give them something, that will use it for me, and you're not going to. Some are going to lose what God has given you because you keep fussing and arguing with God as though things are not fair if you have to give back. wicked of any Christian to see how others work and invest and trust and obey and how they increase and yet you will not obey the Lord you will not trust the Lord like he told the others to do how wicked to someday tell God you want what I gave you yes in the world somewhere I, I used it up out there someplace but but that was mine I asked you to use your talent and your ability and your treasures and, and all the things. I, I ask you to use that for me. For It was my investment. I gave that stuff to you. Why? Well, I, I had to take care of me. And God said, I understand that part. But everything is for you now? Everything is for you now? Church, please forgive me for saying this. As much as we give, I'm about to just shoot myself in the foot right now. We're getting a little stingy. God tightened the belt. We put a lock on the wallet. When really you want to see God work, do just the opposite. People used to tell me all the time, if the devil's got you down, go out and witness somebody. 
If the devil's giving you a hard time, put some extra money in the plate. He said, oh, that's so silly. Really? Just tell him, I don't care what you do, I'm going to go for God, and you can do what you want to do with it. But no, we give into that trying to reason and, and, and evaluate a situation when all you got to do is mind the Lord. What did God give you to use for him? There are people in here who should be playing musical instruments in this church but you will not practice. You will not give yourself to it. But I'll tell you something. If you were really, really good and, and, and country and western came calling, boy, you'd be out of here. A lot of singers took their talent and buried it out there in that world because they, well, maybe I can influence me. You can never influence the world on any large scale at all. They always influence you. That's why God told them when they got saved in Egypt, get out of here. Get out of here. Amen. Don't listen to Pharaoh. you got to get away from the place. How wicked that someday you'll say that to God. I didn't increase the cause of God, but I can show you where your investment is. It's in all the stuff I built and planned for me out there. Yeah, your stuff's out there somewhere. You going to explain that to the Lord? Verse 25, I hid thy talent in the earth. I just want to know, why is it when I talk about money, you stare at me? Like I'm interfering. Can I help you? I am interfering. And I'm going to keep on interfering till you get your heart right with God. And how do I know when you get your heart right with God? When we have a need in this church, you start giving. That's how I'll know when your heart's right. I don't mean I'm already giving. I mean your gift. Everything you have, every advancement you have is because God gave it to you. The increase you have is because God gave you the seed money to get started with. God said, here you go. Now, now, uh, take care of yourself. But this is for me and my work. And how are you going to explain to him when he comes back? Um, here, that's what you gave me. I'm giving it back to you. Well, at least I didn't lose that. Yes, you did. You buried it in the world somewhere. You took your ability with computers or you took your talent that you're really good at business or whatever the case is, and you went out in the world and spent everything that God invested in you out there. I hid it in the earth. You want it, it's out there. You increase by what God invested in you, and that's great. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something about us. The more we get, the more we want to hang on. I can't tell you how many poor people said, I wish I could pay off the church for a year or two. Well, John, you sound if I had the money, if I ever hit the lottery, I'd pay off your church. So for all you people playing the lottery, you, see, it's just, you don't ever hit anything, do you? So there you go. God did not increase you for just you. Your increase is a byproduct of using God's money and God's material things that he invested in you. When did God apply the term wicked to his children? When living in fornication. Number two, when not investing in God's money. Go to Matthew chapter 18. Three times. Three times God used a word that primarily is used for the devil and his kids. Three times, though, he applies it to his own people. Must be pretty bad. So don't look at this like, okay, I know some people who are kind of living together. No, they're in fornication. They're in adultery. They're living in sin. God is not for this. Get that in your head. I don't care what the situation is. They're not supposed to be together. Look, I had two grandparents tell me one time, we, we, we live together, but we're not married. I said, what? I'm talking about grandma and grandpa. And I said, what? Here's what they said. 
preacher, financially, we can't make it unless we have to. Do you understand the excuses we're making now? God, I can't obey you or I can't survive. Then God is a liar. God said, look, you work for me, get under my yoke, I'll take care of you. So the problem isn't about money or material things. The problem is a thing of trust and obedience. The way you handle your finances and your material things has nothing to do with what you can or can't do. It has to do with trusting God and obeying God. Okay, we, we need to breathe, okay? The room is fogging up. Matthew chapter 18, look at verse number 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. And Peter, then came Peter and said, And Lord, how often shall I forgive uh, my brother who sinned against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You know this story, yes? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now he starts into this parable, this story here, if you would. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which would take account. See, there we are making an account again. God's saying, I, I, I want to see. I want, I want to see the investment. I, I want to see what you've been doing for me. It's time to, 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 to level out the playing field and see, I gave my part. I want to see what you've done in return. So he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one brought unto him, which he owed 10,000 talents. Let's just call that a million dollars. I don't know what 10,000 talents amount to nowadays. I used to, not today's economy. For as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded that he be sold, his wife and children, uh, and all that he had to make payment. And by the way, that was according to the law. They were allowed to do that. I'm talking about the law of Moses. The law God gave Moses. You know what God's saying? You don't pay your debts, then you pay for it. Boy, that changed America around, wouldn't it? Verse 26. And the servant therefore fell down, worshipped his Lord, and said, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Really, a million dollars? You haven't been paying me anything, and all of a sudden you're going to figure out a way to pay me back a million dollars. By the way, when you don't tithe and give offering for all those weeks and years, when are you going to make that up? We think because you forgot it, God forgot it? When God talks about tithes and offerings, he's not just talking to Christians. He's talking to everybody who lives on this planet. They got a lot to answer for. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. But the same servant, the one who just got loose from that million-dollar debt, if you would, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him $5. I'm making this up, but that's the disparity between the two. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. Pay that thou owest. Boy, you forgot rather quickly what your master forgave you of. That large sum, you remember that? Y'all still remember the day you got saved? You, you do. You remember, really? Not that Jesus saved you, but what all you owed. Do you remember that? Have, when's the last time you stopped and just thought, to, oh, I can't believe God forgave me of all of that. All of that. All that millions of dollars worth of debt. And you know what he said? I forgive you. You remember that? If you don't remember that, you ain't saved. There's no way in this world can you not remember such a great day and still say you're saved. It's impossible. So watch what he says here. That same servant went out and found his servant, verse number 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. He did the same thing that he did with his master. And besought him, saying, same words, have patience with me and I'll pay all. 
The guy couldn't pay back $5 any more than the guy that owed a million dollars could pay it back. And he would not. He went and cast him into prison till he should pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou, hey, here we go, what's the word? Wicked. Now look, I think there's something you misunderstand. No, wicked. Wicked. We don't think that giving forgiveness and receiving forgiveness is that big of a deal anymore. If I don't want to give it, they'll just have to pay. Really. If that's the way the Lord treated you when you came to him with that million-dollar debt you could never pay, is that what he did? Well, I want to see if you're really sorrowful. Well, I want to see if you really mean it. I want to see if you're really never going to do it again. That's not what God did to you. Watch what happens here. Verse number 32. Then his Lord, uh, then, then, then his Lord, after that he had called him, said, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Do you remember? Be, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Because you asked me to. You remember the day you got saved? You said, I pleaded and cried. That's not what turned God's head. You asked. Because of Christ, you asked. That's all. You didn't get more saved because you cried a lot. You didn't get more saved because you pleaded and made yourself feel really sorry. That's got a thing to do with it. He said, I forgave you because I desired to forgive that debt. But watch what he says now. Shouldst, verse 33, shouldst not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, just like I did you, should you not do that to somebody? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him unto the tormentors till he should pay all that he had. This guy's going to pay. He's going to pay. So verse 35, so likewise shall my heavenly Father, now we're coming back to our time, ready? So shall my heavenly Father, God in heaven, do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You ever notice how much you're tormented when somebody's asked you to forgive them and you just won't? You think you're teaching them a lesson? You're the one that's irritated. You're the one that's upset. You're the one whose blood pressure's going up. You're the one who can't see straight when you're in church. You know, if you sit in church like this, well, I hope they listen to this sermon. Man, that's a good sermon. They should have been forgiven. Right? You know what's best for other people, especially those that hurt you, right? You know what's best for other people that hurt you? It's to give them forgiveness. You have to understand some Christian, God's children, acting like the unsaved when it comes to, un, to, to forgiving. We will only forgive so much, and then that's it. In your mind right now, you're thinking of things where you draw the line. Peter said, Lord, I'm going to go way out on a limb. How often should I forgive my brother? Until seven times a day? Jesus said, no, you don't say till seven times. Till seven times 70. He still wasn't setting an amount. He was saying, as much as he touched me. Because if not, you'd be going like this. 301, 302, 303. And God said, no, no. As much as it takes. 
Most only forgive if we believe they're very sincere. Most only forgive if they have earned our forgiveness. Most only forgive if they've hurt enough. They hurt me. If they hurt enough, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that. And many times we just won't forgive no matter what. We're just not going to. Now again, you take a deep breath and stare someplace and act like you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't, but Jesus does. And he's the top master here who said, you should be forgiving like I forgave you. He knows what he's talking about. Wicked. Verse 32. Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because you desired it. That's it? You just wanted me to? So when somebody comes to you and says, look, I, I, I stepped out of bounds. I, I'm really sorry. I heard you. I heard you. Yeah, I heard you. You're using your forgiveness as a weapon. Somebody is drowning in guilt and despair and anguish of mind, and you've decided to hold that against them. Ready? Well, they'll just do it again 490 times a day. Jesus said that. Not one of the writers of the Bible. Jesus said that. Peter thought he was going some. Uh, so uh, so what? Uh, you're telling us we should what? Forgive seven times a day? Oh, no, no, no. Don't say that. No, no. See, Peter put a limit. You put limits? You use love and forgiveness as weapons many times. We all do. It's not right. Preacher, I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't forgive. Wicked. You're wicked. You're wicked. You're wicked. You listen to me? Now, see, then you pinch on them. Well, okay, I forgive them so they can do anything they want to get. That's not what it's teaching here. Look, if you take up the offering and I find out you steal money from the offering, I will forgive you. You're going to pay for it, but you ain't taking up the offering anymore. I knew you wouldn't forgive me. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with it. You say, well, preacher, you can think what you want to and say what you want to. They hurt me and I can't forgive. No, you won't forgive. You can, or God wouldn't have said that right there. You have just decided, and the world plays into this all the time. They actually set up your mind and heart to where you will not obey the Lord. This is what public schools do, and this is what bitter moms and dads do, and this is what bitter preachers do, and this is what bitter people do. They side with you on, I wouldn't forgive them either. Then I'm talking to the wrong person here. The world. Saved and unsaved needs to see Christ in us. They don't need to see the world in a Christian. The world acts that way. We're not supposed to. The world acts wicked. We're not supposed to be doing that. <coughs> After all, Christ freely gave of us. How wicked could we be not to forgive somebody? Now look at me. Unforgiveness is destroying marriage. It's destroying friendships. It is destroying churches. Forgiveness doesn't mean do whatever you want. Forgiveness says, I release you from the hurt you have not done anything. Don't you understand there is a God in heaven who is very capable of straightening someone out? He doesn't need your help. Think what God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you of. Just think about it for a minute. Have compassion. 
don't just have, don't just feel compassionate. Preacher, why, why should I feel kidney pain? Don't, don't do that either. Because that doesn't work. If you've ever had to go and beg for forgiveness from somebody, you know how difficult it can be. Your flesh is screaming at you. They won't accept it. What are they going to say in return? Well, it really wasn't all your fault. And all these things going off, all these alarms going off in your head, almost telling you, don't do this. So when someone finally comes to you and says, no, I didn't talk to you, I, 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 I didn't mean to upset you, I didn't sense it, all my fault, it was you. That is really hard to do. As a matter of fact, it's so hard, most of us have never been to a child, even when we're wrong. Because we parents, we never sin. I can prove it. You never come to us. You're so perfect, your kids won't come to us because you're done. They're trying to live up to your perfect standards. Wicked. Wicked. God's children. Wicked? I mean, how, how is that possible? The term wicked is a term designed and applied to the devil and his children. The unsaved. Never should it be applied to God's people. Just that. Yet we find God did apply it to his own but specifically only three times. By the way, let me ease your mind a little bit. Physically, you may not have been with another male, but Jesus said, if you look, look upon a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery already in your heart, right? I'm for you. I'm not against you. You think I am because I preach this way? I'm not. I'm simply warning you so you don't have any blinders put on. You don't want to do that. So we need to straighten some things out. So when did God apply the term wicked to his own children? Those living in open fornication. You don't care anymore. Matter of fact, you may not be back after this because you took a personal hit. Personal hit, even personal battle. You're wrong. God's right. Get it right. That's all there is to it. I'm waiting for the person. To, one person asked one time, preacher. What am I supposed to do? I'm engaged and I'm living with her. Here's the first thing, without hesitation. Like, you need to move out and get remarried. They're so shocked. Move out until you get married. That'll make you set the date up a lot faster. Oh, no, preacher, we're getting married. What is it? 2029, I think we've got a date set. Oh, good. No sense rushing into things just because you're living in filth and sin. Number two, not investing money properly to profit God's work. Now you take that for whatever you think it means. Number three, when we do not forgive as we have been forgiven. If any of these apply to you, you need to come to the altar. Tell God that you're sinning and it's not right and ask him for forgiveness. Now, there's something you don't hear preached on much anymore, restitution. You know what restitution is? Paying for what you did. That family you wrecked because you're sleeping around their daughter or their son, you need to go face that and make it right. If you can make it right, make it right. That not paying every time you go on vacation, your tithes, your offerings, and then when there's a special need, you just put an extra padlock on the purse. 
I've already given. I can't give anymore. Okay, I want to hear that from you the next time, that the Lord increases you. The Lord did not increase you just for you. He's all for that. But for those that increased and increased for God, God gave them even more. You know why? He knew that they would use it properly. You can struggle all you want to. I'm going to give until I don't have anything to give. I don't mean someday. I mean now. I'm doing it, and I've done it, and I will continue to do it. To me, God has given me every. I start off with nothing. No home, no car, no friends, no money, no job, nothing. Look what all God, everything I have, God gave for me. And I've tried my best to invest it back in his work. The lives of people and others, and I've tried my best to do it. I'm not real good at it. Lord knows I'm trying with everything that he's given me. I just want to know if God applied the word wicked to any three of those. If any one of those is you, you understand that term should only be applied to the devil and to the devil's kids. It should never be applied to us. Immediately, come immediately or sooner. stand there and that judgment all of my works burning everything that God gave me and said here you, you use this for me here I gave you this talent I gave you that ability I gave you that money I gave you that property I gave you this I gave you because I, I wanted you to I know you can so you use that for me it's all written down in the book of Job God said so in Revelation Oh, so he was unfair? He was a hard man. He just didn't understand your situation? Yes, he did. And you know what he's upset about? The very least you should have done was give it to a bank and draw some interest on it. And not for you. You could have at least done that. But now, where's my stuff? 